What do I have back there? I've got a a nature uh, animals of the Pacific on one side and a, a woodcut of uh, Simplicis Simplicimus. Is that like other. is that like a Simplicimus? It's it's a it's a succubus. No, it's a it's a German picaresque novel. Uh, I think of the 1600s. It's kind of ribald. Sure. That uh, my grandparents picked up some woodcuts of back in Germany in the 50s. Yeah. For some reason, we have a bunch of them. <laughs> okay. Well, what's new? Uh, not much spent yesterday down at the river. Keep keep talking. I got to adjust some. Go go. Spent spent yesterday down on the Clackamas River, uh, which comes down off of Mount Hood. There's an old uh, farmhouse out there that this writer named Clyde Rice had. That is now a nonprofit uh, that has. Well, you can go out there and do some writing yeah. if you want. Ten acres on the on the river, and tavern books. Um, my friend Carl. Friends Carl and Natalie's little poetry press has an annual little picnic out there. And so we picnicked, cavorted in the river, uh, heard some poetry, ate some hot dogs. Yeah, that sounds good. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Well, not much is new here, which is a good thing. We had yeah. a little, tried to have a little dinner party last night. Some, uh, some eats, some lively conversation. Mm-hmm. Made extra of the thing that people usually eat a ton of, um, and they they barely touched it. So now there's there's a delicious thing. What is that thing? It's You're being this, oblique. Uh, it's this. Uh, I think I've mentioned it on the on the show before. It's a uh, it's this beet this beet dip this Adelengi recipe for a zatar spiced beet dip. You have talked about it. So you've got too much beet dip. Got too well. No. You misunderstand. I have a lot of beet dip, but I don't have too much beet dip. Uh, yeah, I see. Uh, I I don't know how to make the. I don't know how to how. I don't know how to make. I accidentally closed the little mini box that appears on Skype when I when I put you behind another app. Little mini box shows up and then it appears at the top of the screen, uh, but it's not there anymore. So there's no perma ed. There's ed. Ed, Only Ed, little Ed. You don't have you don't have object persistence. Only little Ed and the Blues Imperials. That was a a group on really? Rounder Records, <laughs> Chicago, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had a, a nice. So it's summertime. Swimming, swimming in rivers. Yeah. Um, playing tennis. Trying to play tennis every couple of days. Yeah. My friend Matthew, we've decided that that was a uh, low investment physical activity. That sounds plausible. That's kind of fun. And is has this has this proven uh, proven true? Um. Yeah. How much have you invested in tennis this week? Um, like six dollars for some balls. Yeah. I already had some rackets. Oh, and then I had to buy. Some shoes for seventy-seven dollars because <laughs> I had uh, 
getting rid, gotten rid of all of my shoes except for a pair of dress shoes, and I bought a couple pairs of Vans. Yeah. You- so I wouldn't be tempted to wear these old tennis shoes I've I've had that were either too small or too big or too worn out. Yeah. Uh, but my my uh, doctor said that I I should wear shoes that make my feet stronger instead of trying to buy shoes that like make up for the weaknesses in the feet sort of uh-huh. against like hiking shoes and walking shoes. So like uh, Okay. So wait, what did you end up with? What are the, what are the I shoes? I get some shoes with no support. Okay. Make my feet stronger. You Either mean like, like some Chuck Taylors or some Vans? Oh, okay. Oh, so, so the Vans are the shoes. The Vans are the shoes. I was going to say, why but, can't you play tennis in Vans? You you were telling me that in fact you did play tennis in Vans. I played tennis in Vans once and then went and bought <laughs> some actual <laughs> tennis shoes. Because uh, Fans are not good for the tennis court. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, other than that, it's good. I can take my uh, little Bluetooth speaker down to the tennis court. Oh, yeah. We played. We listened to almost the entirety of Double Nickels on the Dime. <laughs> Great. While playing tennis. Which one is thing, a double album. Yeah. One thing I love about that is that it came out before compact discs were a thing. But they, they had fantasized that... The, the, they thought that the correct way to listen to the album was uh, to shuffle it. Yeah. But the, but it, that didn't exist. They wanted it to be a grab bag, um, yeah. in which track order didn't mean anything. And then the CD was issued, and just at last... Just a few years later. Yeah, yeah, just a few years later, and that, and that that was a thing. Yeah. But I have to say I have never shuffled it. I think I... Uh... Well, I've always listened to it consecutively. I think my my first uh, exposure to it was on cassette. So I, like mm-hmm. you, probably I, I ended up I ended up uh, getting used to the track order, and that seemed like the canonical double nickels on the dime. It's very difficult to shuffle on a cassette. <laughs> it certainly is. It might be the hardest medium to shuffle on. I had the LP, and you can. Yeah. But you, you know, it's it's hell on the needle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Which is the name of my autobiography? <laughs> hell on the needle. Yeah, that's pretty good. My DJ autobiography. That's my favorite Neil Young album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I briefly thought that uh, Neil Young had died this week because someone I follow on social media posted a photo of him as a young man. Which is how how you know somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the uh, but the caption, um, the the person who posted it was the musician John Roderick, and he had obviously been mm. listening to some some Neil Young records. And uh, when he recorded "Heart of Gold," where he said that he's getting old, he was uh, he was twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a. It's a horrible path to go down. <laughs> yeah, sure, truly it is. Um, the Wilford Brimley, Tom Cruise equivalency. Did we talk about that last week? I don't. I don't. I don't think we did. Somebody pointed out that uh, uh, Tom Cruise in his newest action movie. He's fifty-six years old. Yeah. Wilford Brimley in the filming of Cocoon, which is about people in nursing homes. <laughs> Finding a sort of source of youth, Brimley was fifty-one. No, really? <laughs> yeah, he was a very convincing old man at fifty. Yeah, well, fifty-one was old. 
He was probably a more convincing old man than Tom Cruise is a young man, though of course I'm going to go see Mission Impossible Fallout tonight because that's what you do in, with your American summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are they still making movies? I I uh, wasn't sure. Then. They are. They're still yeah. making movies. Um, people good, are going to see good them. Good for them. Good for them. I, th- I, I think that the main value of seeing a movie in a theater now um, because, you know, I have, like most people, a decent-sized TV, a television that looks good and sort of fills up your field of vision is is less expensive than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nobody talking in your house if you don't want them to, and, <laughs> unless you have a child. Uh, that You can eat whatever food you like. You mm-hmm. can pause it to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you live near a really nice movie theater, it's going to sound probably as good, if not better, than what you get at the movie theater. So <laughs> the main advantage, I think, of going to the movie theater is you're not allowed to look at your phone. <laughs> it's taboo. <laughs> not that people listen to that, but it's taboo to look at your phone. Right. And so, right. Uh, and so you don't. Well, it's okay if you have to hold it down by your feet. <laughs> or take some extreme measures. The extreme measures that one used to in movie theaters used to maybe put their arm around their date are yeah. now used to uh, to, <laughs> to see if... To put their date's they're... arm on Instagram. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, I haven't yeah, seen the a movie other, for a while. The, uh, we, we watched uh, Scooby-Doo 2 on a tablet uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in the basement the other day because it's been so hot here. <laughs> sure. It's been like... Like a, a southern summer here, yeah, for a month, not in the nineties, no rain, um, but we don't have any air conditioning except to, the basement's cooler. So go down to the yeah. basement, sit on the old chairs, and watch Scooby Doo Two <laughs> on a tablet. Sure, is this a, li- a live action Scooby Doo? It is starring Matthew Lillard. Lillard, yeah, uh, Seth Green. Sure. The girl from Freaks and Geeks. Linda Cardellini? Sure. <laughs> there were there were many female cast members in Freaks and Geeks. Sarah Michelle Geller? Uh-huh. I think is Velma. Yeah. Um, and is the, a, is the dog CGI? Dog is CGI. And is voiced by Bradley Cooper. I don't know. He Hal say much. Yeah. What? Yeah, I think it's Ed Begley Senior. Okay. Okay. Who'd mm. <laughs> be the worst? Who'd be the worst actor to voice Scooby Doo? <laughs> That's a good question. That's a good question. Truman Capote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'm just imagining. I just. I'm just imagining a child's Christmas in Wales, narrated by a Scooby Doo voice. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. 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 I think there's something Welsh about Scooby Doo. Yeah. Sure. Let's hear it. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> just something. I, I don't have anything particular in mind. Just surely there's some overlap. <laughs> Speaking of Welsh things. We could ask Cliff Skurlock. 
who's now living in Wales. I can't remember who that is. Rock and roll drummer um, from Topeka, Kansas. Oh. Who had a decade stint with the Flaming Lips until he was fired for pointing out that Wayne Coyne's uh, girlfriend probably shouldn't wear a full Indian headdress. (laughs) Herself not being native. And for this, for this, he was dismissed. He was freed. (laughs) The tyranny of the flaming lips. Pursue pursue his own drumming, which he has. It's a great, great uh, pleasure, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) And producing. He's doing a lot of producing and engineering. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. I think that's, that is probably, uh, it sounds like maybe that's a situation he'll have, he'll, he, he came to think was, Glad came to an end. Oh, he's just fine. Just fine with that, I think. Um, the Welsh thing uh, on my mind this week is a very short novel called Cove by Sinan, Sin- Sinan Jones. Mm. I think that's his name. Um, I should have brought it here into the office with me, but it's in the other room. Um, but it got me thinking about how how much you actually need to say to call a thing a novel. This is a very, it's very much like it, if you just fan the pages, it looks like a, like a David Markson novel and with these little paragraphs, little tiny paragraphs separated by white space. And the whole thing, you can read the whole thing in one sitting and it's about a guy, but it, unlike the David Markson novels, there's actually a plot and there's a, basically a guy is on a family outing in um, this somewhat remote area of, I suppose, Wales or wherever, I don't think it really matters. Um, on the sea, and he goes it could out. Be on a, sharks. He might be in sharks. In sharks. Yeah. Instead of whales. Oh, Eddie, come on. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he's in the he's in a kayak and he gets struck by lightning. And when he comes to, he has a bewildering hand injury. That he doesn't remember what happened, and he's has partial amnesia, and he's in a kayak, um, and he has no idea where he is, or where to go, and his his life sort of slowly comes back to him, and as he realizes he's kind of in trouble, even though he can see the land, actually getting to the land is a challenge. And it's sort of like it's maybe a, a kind of heavily stylized Jack London esque survival in the wilderness type story. The, the open boat. Yeah. Um, yes, actually, very much so. Uh, it's very well written. Sometimes the verb tenses change for, to my mind, inconsistent reasons. And there's there's a second person section in the in the intro to the book that does not seem necessary to me, but. There's almost nothing in there, but it's it's, it's a pre, it's a pretty there's plot and it's almost all implied. And then on the other hand, I started reading, took these two books out of the library at the same time, started reading. I'm not going to finish a very long, extraordinarily well written book, also contemporary novel, um, with the opposite going on, which is that it's almost like the it's almost like the t- the teacher asked the writer to show their work 
right? So that okay. so that everything the character does is very psychologically acute. It's um it's like a very well drawn portrait of this protagonist and the things he does and the reasons he does them. But there's all these like very very detailed explanations for for why he does everything, his motivations for everything mm-hmm. that are so careful that you it's even kind of implausible that the character himself would know this about himself mm-hmm. um, it's like all the all the 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 writer's sort of mental machinations, which again are very plausible and and uh well thought through are on the page. And the result, for me anyway, was to just say, I don't, I don't want to slog through this. I just want to see him do things according mm-hmm. to this very psychological profile you have given me. I want, I want to see this character put through his paces, but I don't want him to think about it. Oh, and it continues. Yeah. So it's, it's the level of intensity that you have, would have at the be- as you are getting acquainted with the character. Yeah. And then just continues. Exactly, exactly. So the first 20 pages, I thought, oh, this is very good. Um, this is a great setup. But then I realized about 50 pages in that that's the, the whole book is that way. That every... every What's the mo- book? <laughs> Did you say the title? Or is that the punchline? No, I don't want to shit on the okay. writer, because they're a good writer. But, um, but, uh, well, I don't think you're saying anything negative about the book. I think you're saying nice things about the book. You're just saying that it's not to your taste at this moment, especially in comparison with something else you just read. Yeah. Well, okay. Actually, I'll say who it is. Cause, cause it's, it, it's kind of an interestingly sort of lit, lit culturally placed writer. It's Alison Krauss, not Alison Krauss, Nicole Krauss. <laughs> <The blue> grass, <laughs> Bizarrely, she's, <laughs> she's, well, so, it's, uh, uh, Alison Krauss and union station. Or just, <laughs> Her solo work. <laughs> this is her solo work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's 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 drumming all by herself. No, um, uh, and the book actually has a Nicole blurb. Krauss? Uh, yeah, Nicole Krauss. The and again, the sentences are great. Um, the the character is great, but uh, it's got a blurb from Philip Roth, and I feel mm-hmm. like I haven't read her before. So, and I'm gonna actually look check out her other books too, because this mm-hmm. thing I don't like about this book just might be a thing about this book. And um, uh, I'm interested enough to check out her other work, but it's very much in the it's very much in the mold of Philip Roth, and I can't think of any other writer who's doing that thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a thing that Roth would do; he'd go super, super deep into characters' mm-hmm. motivations. But mm-hmm. um, uh, of course, he, he had you know his protag- his protagonist for a lot of his work was also a writer and the kind of person who would think he's onto himself and would frame himself in these narratives that would effectively flatter himself by admitting to faults. Right? It would it, mm-hmm. he sort of hide behind his admissions of guilt in order to present himself as honest. But there is another layer in the Zuckerman books where you see Zuckerman kind of deceiving himself, which is part mm-hmm. of the pleasure of it. And then the later ones, the more mature Zuckerman, mm-hmm. Zuckerman like takes the focus off himself and puts it on other people and then mm-hmm. does the Zuckerman thing to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I didn't think it worked quite as well in this book, at least the bit that I wrote, I read. 
But anyway, it got me thinking about what, how much story do you need for it to be a story? Like how, you know, how I feel like I'm in a place in my, uh, literary and other narrative form taste where I like spareness and enigma more, mm-hmm. more than I like complex explorations of the depths and, and purposes and, uh, origins of things. I think uh, yeah, it's hard to generalize though. I mean, because I mean, it depends on whose hands they're in, you know. Yeah. Um, just as as one might resolve that that's some aesthetic principle they have, you pick up a book that does the latter, and you're completely beguiled by it. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah you don't need a lot of story, but it's nice. It's also nice to have a story. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not helping. <laughs> oh, I'm not helping now. Well, I, I like both. I like both. You know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, I love something like The Waitress Was New. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That which book... not, nothing really happens. No. But also, like nothing doesn't the nothing that the nothing that doesn't happen isn't some particularly clever. Look how little is happening. Life is passing. More or less, the, the life is making the impression on you the way the, the, the book is making the impression on you the way that life makes. There's yeah. just not a lot going on. A guy's got to run across town to say something to one of his coworkers, and it seems like the restaurant's going to shut down. And and it's so inconsequential, I don't remember whether it actually does or not. <laughs> you know, I, I, I felt completely in the consciousness of a, a beguiling character. Yeah, I, I feel like when a book sets out to do that, it's yeah, you're right. It's completely ungener and and ungeneralizable because I keep thinking of writers who it's nothing but a- analytic interiority, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Or is it something like the Savage Detectives? Which I mean, it's a multi-voiced thing, but but you know, it's it's about 300 pages of making an argument for. Not a lot has to happen, um, and it's the inner life of these these characters and their memories that that matter. And then in the last fifty pages, you get a car chase, you get a kidnapping, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> like all the things that has convinced you that that the form doesn't need. It then gives you, and you also enjoy the pleasure of those. Yeah, you know. Yeah, nice trick. Yeah, that's a nice trick. It's all trickery. The other, the other sort of uh, amusing narrative thing, an interesting narrative thing I'm engaged in right now is um, Stephanie encouraged me to watch the first few episodes of Friday Night Lights, which I've never, I never saw, and uh, which proves to be just a like an extraordinarily well rendered soap opera. It's um, just like interestingly filmed with really good actors and writing. Um, but then, it's my memory of, of things. It's uh, the coach always looks worried. <laughs> he's always uh, very worried. A boyfriend in a coma. Um, no, he's it's a it's a it's a it's a football player. And then there's a, well, the football player in a coma, right? And then uh, there's somebody no, has a secret. Quite. And uh, who's going to win the big game? Sure, sure. You always want to know who's going to win the big game, and every game is the big game. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty engaging and entertaining. And then uh, you get to the end of the season, and then season two begins, and it's completely bananas. 
someone is murdered and thrown off a bridge, mm-hmm. and there's I'm told that there are other crazy things in store. Some and then this that season apparently was cut off by the the writer's strike. Writer's strike. 2007 to 8. And when mm-hmm. they when the show comes back, it's nuanced again. But it's very strange to see it all, it's so extreme that it almost seems to be changing genres. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing. There's, I was reading a student novel um, and uh, talked to the student about it uh, this past week. It's pretty good. It's a really good, solid first draft. Um, but there's like a straight up genre change halfway through. It's like mm-hmm. a 50 page, you know, it's a 50 page diversion from a ty- an entirely other kind of book. And though it doesn't work in this particular case that well, um, I'm very excited by dramatic, dramatic dynamic shifts. You know, mm-hmm. or shifts in mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. Uh, or even taste. There's something daring about it. Although I think the Friday Night Lights thing was just kind of a shit show, but, uh, um, but it's conceptually exciting anyway. Mm-hmm. I just watched the entire run of Foil's War. Yeah. Um, because it was on. Sure. And it's good radio. Mostly, I was I, I to turn it on. It's been very hot here, and so I don't really get any work done until about 9 o'clock at night after Oscar goes to bed and open the window, and a little bit of a breeze comes through. And, you know, doing some writing and bureaucratic things. Yeah. And uh, so I'd click on Foil's War, which was okay. like maybe 2002 to 2014. It's very, very close. It went all BBC. the way to 2015, it says. Here. Not BBC, but British. ITV yeah. or whatever it was. And it's not very good. Okay. It's fine. Um, but it was good radio, so I could have the, the screen. I'd have it on, the, you know, on my laptop, and then yeah. I'd open up Word or have other things in front of it. And, and occasionally if something, if it, was, if it got quiet, I'd go back to it because clearly I needed to be seeing something. But otherwise, <laughs> enough of it is, expos- is procedural exposition. Um, Wait, are you do- just listen to it? When you say you have Word open, are you doing actual writing with the TV show playing in the background? Uh, editing, editing. How is that even cognitively possible? That oh, would be shattering not- to me. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, I don't know how much writing I'm getting done. Uh, no, mostly it's it's the kind of editing that is just moving things around, not really imaginative editing, yeah. manuscript management, text managing, text managing, <laughs> okay. rather than, than writing. Sure. Um, a lot of it's uh, just correspondence catch up. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, signing a W9, which for some reason takes 15 minutes for me to do with my version of Adobe. <laughs> I mean, it's just the little things that you need to do that end up taking all your time all my time sure and i'm moving slow because it's hot yeah um but anyway the the show how much of it have you watched i watched all seven seasons (laughs) and each episode is about two hours yeah um and the characters all kind of sound the same Uh uh-huh so you don't have to um so it doesn't really matter who's talking for the most part. I like, as I said, I like things that are, are, are good, but not too good. Sure. You know. <laughs> Do 
Do you, uh, you mean you like things that are good but not too good as background or just when it comes to filmed entertainment in general? Filmed entertainment, I think, I think, I think most things. I like things that are good but not too good. <laughs> okay, okay. I think I, 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 my, my interest in the excellent is decreasing. Do you, um, it, could there be a galaxy brain version of this theory where you realize that things that you are think, uh, thinking of as excellent things that are not to your taste because they're excellent are actually bad? That, That's precisely it. <laughs> You, can you can you give me an example of an excellent thing that you have rejected that your that your mind has shunned? Hmm. Most most new prestige television. Yeah. Handmaid's Tale. Haven't haven't had the pleasure. Um, you didn't like it that much. Miss Maisie. Yeah. Um, Wait, you mean the marvelous Mrs. Mizell? Yeah, Mizell. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Maisie's the mouse. Is that excellence, though? Um, I thought I thought things thought it was with sort of uh, flawed antiheroes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, things that are um, where the screen is very dark most of the time. <laughs> Things that I recognize that they're excellent in the sense that they have excellent people doing them, mm-hmm. but the things themselves are not excellent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like that's that was kind of my beef with some of these um, Nicole Cross paragraphs, which is like taken taken in isolation. There, they were unimpeachably excellent, um, yeah. but were were not what I. Not what I desired in the narrative at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that uh, I'm I'm not describing my preference in books. Yeah, I think you're thinking have, most. You're thinking TV. So I'm talking about TV. Yeah. Except I, I mean I like no I I uh, you know, I've mostly been reading mysteries. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that that's a case of of finding them good but not too good because I think they're excellent. Um, Nicholas Blake. I've been reading Simonon, the, uh, uh, the Inspector Migret. Mm-hmm. I say Magret. Uh, yeah, sure. No, the more obscure and uh, un, un, unlistenable the name is pronounced, the better. The more accurate it is, yeah. Magret. Yeah. I think they're truly excellent, though. I don't know, I've been reading some trash. Not, not. I don't know. It's not quite trash nonfiction. Um, I've been uh, teaching this week at the Attic, which is a literary center here in Portland. I'm going to look that up. I don't know it. The, the, the Attic. Um, and the director of the program, the founder, David Byspiel, um, mm-hmm. who was on the, who's a reviewer as well as being a, a poet and writer. And was on the NBCC board or was chair of it for a while ago. Uh, so this is where he has all of his books delivered. So he gets everything. Yeah. Well, you are familiar with with the, the regular arrival of, of books that you don't know that they're coming. Sure. And uh, so he has enough space at the attic to put them all. And so there's, there's just sort of this constant influx of the new books. And nothing's 
going to happen to them. I mean, most of them aren't going to get reviewed. Right. Um, so they sit on the shelf and they just look so good that I uh, take them down, take a couple of them home, you know, read them in an hour, you know, or a couple hours, or read with a lot of skimming. Um, so, you know, some book about somebody's theory about the Oklahoma City bombing, a lot of things by journalists writing their books, their expansion of their articles. Um, that I'm finally reading the way that my, my mom and dad read, which was um, read a book or two, a book every couple days, and and then have no memory of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the nice thing about uh, crime fiction that is that uh, I can I can actually forget I can actually forget the the details of the crime in mm-hmm. a crime novel, and then a decade later, if I want to read it again, I can usually do it. Yeah. There are a few where the details were the most extraordinary details of the of the novel. Um, are the ones that involve who did the crime and how, and in that case, okay. I I have to, um, you know, I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna remember who did it, but for the most part, I've for, I've forgotten everything. We're we're sort of watching with a bit of pleasure, but not as much as I'd hope. The um, HBO adaptation of um, what the hell is it called? Sharp Objects, um, mm-hmm. the 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 pretty good novel by Gillian Flynn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized I didn't read that all that long ago. But Kansas' I, own Gillian Flynn. Oh, yeah? Who I, I knew in college. Oh, did you really? She went to KU. Yeah. I dated my friend Bill Yeh. Okay. Great. Was she writing in college? Um, if she was, I was not aware of it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like Gone Girl is okay, but a little on the nose. But I think Sharp Objects is really good. It has the... It's the cre- it's the most fucked up, I think, and the narrator is very unpleasant, um, and I like both those things about it. Even though I think that was just a thing that you were just complaining about in television, it, it I think it though it does translate well to the screen. And Amy Adams is a terrific actor, mm-hmm. um, and I really enjoy seeing her in anything. Uh, the the sort of self conscious over the top darkness of it. It basically ticks off every box of, of the things that you don't want you don't want to see, as described mm-hmm. ten minutes ago. Yeah. Um but I have but I bring it up because I realize even though I read that book recently and quite liked it, um I just don't remember a goddamn thing about it. Like mm-hmm. I you know I I only I had forgotten who who the killer was until Stephanie let it slip. Um, thinking that thinking that I would know who it was since I'd read the book. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, it's just the whole thing is new to me. Basically, I just remember a feeling of um, of the narrator being kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't recommend the series to you because it, it's what you it's don't too like. good. It's, yeah, it's too it's, excellent. Yeah, it's too excellent. Yeah, you do. Well, if you run across if you run across something that's uh, not not very good at all, please let me know because I might be right up my alley. (laughs) Sure. Well, you know, there's a certain there's a certain level of attention you've got to give to things at a at a given moment, and uh, you want to find some want to find some narratives or some uh, or some uh, any kind of creative entertainment that will fulfill that level of, of brain power of available 
space. Right. Do you? That's not what it's. That seems like maybe that was a poor characterization of how you actually feel. Uh, I'll take it though. Okay. I'll take okay. It. It was it was good. I wouldn't say that it was excellent, but it was pretty good. Okay, okay. Which well, is what I which is, I don't know if it, if it if it really captured. I don't know if it defined <laughs> it, but it captured the feeling. Okay, great, perfect. Yeah, it was an example of. It. <laughs> uh, going to Missoula Wednesday. Oh, really decided jill has to go over there for work and we looked at the calendar there was nothing on it and so we're going to she's going to fly over and do some work and then oscar and i are going to drive our new uh minivan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. up there for four or five days put her around we're going to see the pixies band at the new um outdoor amphitheater there the kettle house Seriously? Uh, brewing has on the site of the old Milltown uh, mill. That sounds like quite a delightful evening. Out there by Harold's uh, Dine, Drink, and Dance. Wow. Yeah. On the, uh, uh, this was the, the Blackfoot River. Yep. Where it's about to join the Clark Fork. So I'm looking forward. I'm, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the Pixies. I saw them. When they reformed in 2003 or so, and they clearly didn't want to be doing it. Yeah. Um, but but even their, their, their basic fulfilling of the contractual obligation was entirely <laughs> adequate. Sure. Um, Kim Deal was uh, in that iteration of the band, correct? She was in that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But more than that, I'm just looking forward to sitting outside in Missoula, listening to the Pixies. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, and you get to do all that all that good Missoula stuff. Yeah, I'll just walk around, stroll down to Bernice's mm-hmm. of a morning. Get into get a, a conversation with this shirtless stranger on the street. I might even be my own shirtless stranger. <laughs> walk up one side of the Higgins Bridge and meet myself and not even be aware of it. <laughs> oh yeah that's good that's good that's a poem my friend yeah probably uh maybe go sit on the patio of that new it's a cafe dolce the new place that's uh yeah that place is sweet there. the venetian palazzo i think uh having doing a little uh have a glass of white wine and a gelato out on the out on the patio mm-hmm. do a little little uh day drinking and and caloric intake might do some night drinking at the Union Club. <laughs> sure, you will. <laughs> or Charlie's. Sure, you will. Do you have Do you have any extant Missoula friends? Are there people you're going to see there? Well, we're going to stay with our friends, uh, Mark and Elizabeth. Oh, of course. Um, and uh, I don't know who's in town. Um, I think David Gates is not in town in the summer. I don't think Candy's in town. Mm-hmm. I don't think Brigitte's in town. I don't think I don't think anybody's in town right now. Yeah, um, I expect to run into some people probably at the Pixies thing, who may not even be aware that I left Missoula in 1998. <laughs> sure, like, oh, I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> there you are, Dave Avery. How's it going? <laughs> oh my God! Wait a minute. Was he the guy? This is. A, the, I think. I think he was. I was trying to remember 
who the guy was who had a child named yeah. Skyler yeah. and who would bring the kid to the union club and sit there chatting with him as though he were another adult. And I remember seeing this before and I probably had a child. probably shoot some pool, maybe, because yeah. <laughs> he was a very good pool player, even though he had uh, uh, a, a, it was his, his, I don't know what happened to his arm. He had a, an arm that didn't work very well. Yeah. Um, and yet he could still um, uh, play pool very well. In fact, taught pool, taught the pool class at the uh, campus, um, the student union. Mm-hmm. In addition to being a, I think he was in the fiction program or had had graduated before we arrived. Yeah. Red hair. Sure. Um, late night person. Yeah, this despite. is the, this is the guy yeah. though, right? I'm thinking of. And then he's a, he was a, a he went to law school, and I saw his name on the, I, I saw his office his name on on office window downtown in the same building as where submittable was briefly um but then then the sign was gone i never looked him up or ran into him <laughs> yeah i realized his that child has got to be like 40 now probably. no he's maybe 30 or 31 but i remember seeing this and thinking this was at a time when i was realizing that having a child of my own was coming down the pike and wondering if I would be up to the task and uh, and being kind of inspired by the sight of this guy like hanging out in a bar with his kid. Not that that was a thing I ended up doing or thought was right. wise, but it no, was... No, but you realized you could. Right. Yeah, it was like you, re- you know, it was, it was a mo- it was, and I even understood at the time, it was like a moment of ease in what it was probably a sometimes challenging experience is sometimes challenging life but um because didn't he was was he single parenting that kid yes no 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 i think the the mother was around but they They may have even been in the same apartment complex there at the foot of the rattlesnake yeah at the time but in any event it was weirdly inspiring and memorable and i was thinking about that the other day and not being able to bring the bring the guy's name to mind, and that was literally Avery. Little, literally the first name you spat out for, yeah. as a ran, <laughs> yeah. random Missoula acquaintance. Yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't thought of the name in in eight years, but that's that's the example of somebody that I expect I'll run into. Yeah. <laughs> um, while we're all flashing our cell phones to where is my mind or yeah. whatever. You know what? Uh, other, there's some there's some students from the last time I taught there who are around. Hope to who I like, who I hope to run into uh, crossing the Higgins Bridge. But uh, I just realized something about you. Hmm. Often, I see someone. It's usually if I'm in New York or in a town where I used to live, say visiting Missoula, mm-hmm. where I'll see someone. And they and I will kind of narrow our eyes at each other in a kind of like, do I know you sort of way? And it's probably someone from the past. But mm-hmm. it could also be other people. Mm-hmm. And then I could be another person. And we pass on by and don't have any significant interaction. But I bet that happens to you a lot less because you're six foot five. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, there's people, mo- people uncertain whether I'm 
whether they know me or not. Yeah, exactly. Then, then yeah, they, if you look at me, you say, I know that person or I don't know that person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, but I, but wonder, not always, not always. No. How can anyone it's, forget you? Well, there's you? plenty of people who I've had to, you know, in any social circle, you know, somebody's, you know, partner or, you know, friend of a friend who I end up having to introduce myself to over and over again over the years <laughs> without any seeming memory and often surprised, not out of, partly out of vanity and partly out of like, well, this is, this just doesn't fit the pattern, you know? <laughs> And then there's the uh, then there's a corollary to that, which is the kind of person who is quite memorable but doesn't realize it, and introduces themselves to you again and again and again because they actually don't believe that you could possibly remember. I'm thinking of someone in particular here in Ithaca who yeah. reintroduces herself, has reintroduced herself pretty much every time we've seen each other for 20 years, yeah. and she yeah. is not someone I'm likely to forget. Uh-huh. Right, somebody who like always wears a cape, <laughs> or has like liberty spikes, or yeah, or is particularly for somebody who's uh, this happens sometimes. Somebody who's very well known, famous, yeah. or nearly famous, who feels like nobody knows them. Is that such a thing? Or or maybe it's the appropriate thing. Or to overcome that, they introduce themselves conspicuously, even though of course you know who they are. Yeah. Well, that's actually well. That's what um, that one time that John Irving called me, <laughs> and he told he told me his name was John Irving, but he he said it as though he was just some random guy, um, and I immediately I thought, well, this must not be the writer John Irving because he doesn't just randomly call up people he doesn't know to talk about their essay in Granta, and mm-hmm. then I and then w- within about. After about ten minutes, I finally said, "Do you mean you're the the writer John Irving?" And he said, "Well, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> is this a thing you do? Is this a thing you're known for doing?" Yeah. Can and do. how did you get this number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It will be nice. Yeah. Oh, so I do like going there. Did you mention you're dri- you and Oscar are driving there? Oh, it's we're not, driving oh, there. Our, our, our touring, our, our Honda Odyssey touring edition. <laughs> Did you buy a new one or uh, have it's you bought from, another? It's even older than the Highlander. <laughs> it's a 2007. Alright. I think it has a problem with the starter. But other than that, it's in very good shape. We have the the service records. The person purchased it from the Hillsboro Honda 2007. Yeah. Drove it almost exactly 6,000 miles every year before taking it in for their July tune-up, uh, where they had the appropriate things done at the appropriate time. Mm-hmm. And it's in fine shape. All right, good. It's got a DVD player. What a DVD that? player in the back, but it has no jack for um, like uh, your phone or anything. Yeah, of course. It's high-tech from the past. Uh, is there a cassette deck? No cassette deck. See, but it does yeah. have a six-CD changer. Okay. All right. Good. So I bought I, – I, I didn't buy it. I checked out from the library the six-CD set of Jimmy Martin, the, the entire Jimmy Martin, um, the Jimmy Martin box set and put all six CDs in it and have been shuffling those around. Real nice. Uh, Jimmy Martin, a, a – a, uh, 
major minor bluegrass uh, figure. He used both the uh, he used both major and minor chords. You're saying? Uh, not so many minor chords. I'd have to say it's uh, <laughs> largely major in that sense. He's no uh, uh, yeah, Jimmy Martin. He's the king of bluegrass. Oh, all right. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't realize wrote, one wrote, had been um, crowned. Wrote a, a notable song about the Grand Ole Opry, um, uh, but famously was never permitted to actually join the Grand Ole Opry because of his irascibility. <laughs> and somebody wrote a great biography. Was it Tom Piazza? I think it was Tom Piazza. Wrote a whoever it was wrote a, a really excellent book about the called King of Bluegrass. Yeah, uh, about Jimmy Martin. Having like interviewed him a lot and spent a lot of time with him in his you know last days in the nineties, and just sort of following this crazy musician around, and it's 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 novelistic. I mean, it's it it, it would might surprise the reader to find out that Jimmy Martin was real. <laughs> it seems both implausible and heroic. Yeah. Well, so, um, thrill, so thrill jockey. I think we'll mostly listen to kids' podcasts. Sure. Are you which you're well, going to burn onto CD? I guess I'll have to burn them on CD. <laughs> I don't know if that's still legal. Well, you could can't does does um okay here's here's some here's a topic. Um, so my kids and I, though we enjoy talking to each other, after about an hour on a car trip, we're done. We want to go yeah. back into our into our worlds, and so. We all, if the three of us are on a long drive together, we'll just, we'll just all listen to our separate devices. Yeah. And, you know, I'll stop for gas and we'll pop them out and we'll talk for 20 minutes again and we'll pop them all back in. Stephanie's family, on the other hand, really likes to talk to each other and like be together on a long drive and to be listening to the same music and sing along and talk to the music. And they just take turns listening to the stuff they like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, each, both of us are very surprised at the other one's model for mm -hmm. for listening to things in the car. So what is what is your what is your family's default? Do you can do you, can you do hours and hours of togetherness or do you want to do go off and do your own thing? I admire I would like to do the uh going off and doing your own thing, but that is not our way. No. <laughs> someone someone has to win. <laughs> someone has to win. And it's and not then you. revel in the winning <laughs> for the rest of the drive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, well, Jill, Jill and I have similar tastes in music and uh, entertainment. So if it's just the two of us, we can find something that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but with the kid, he he mostly just wants to listen to Harry Potter, the Jim Dale audio tapes of uh, Harry Potter. There are two. There are two audio. Harry Potter There's audiobooks, Stephen right? Fry, yeah, the Stephen Fry and Jim Dale, yeah, and I like Stephen Fry very much, but um, but we've ended up with the Jim Dale. It's like I like uh, Coke, but I end up with Pepsi. Sure, it's fine. Sure, Jim Dale's got a good voice, and maybe less. It might be. I think it might be too distracting to have Stephen Fry's voice, which is so familiar <laughs> and and specific. Reading it, Dale. Is uh, even though he played the bad guy in Pete's Dragon, um, uh -huh. uh, and then also uh, sang in the the original Broadway cast recording of Barnum, which for some reason I listened to a lot in high school. Yeah, 
don't know why. And uh, so I'm familiar with his voice, but it's not as obtrusive. Yeah. Uh, Oscar loves listening to it. Uh, at this point, it can be any of the seven. He prefers it when Dumbledore is alive. Sure. And they're in school, as opposed to the extended camping trip. Uh-huh. And um, it gets bogged down towards the end. But, uh, and that's that's fine background noise. I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Uh, that's what he wants to listen to. Sometimes I, I've snuck it in. We listened to Peter Pan because Jim Dale was narrating it. And it was largely just kind of fit in. Okay. Uh, it's just a tone. So he's so Oscar has a taste for he's a Dalian in general. He's a da- he's a Dalian, yeah. Um the he also likes these kids podcasts Wow in the World which is Guy Raz. Mhm. NPR's Guy Raz and sure. Mindy something. Uh, did I tell you that Oscar confused the word Guy Raz and garage for a while? <laughs> Yeah. And when we had a garage sale, he kept calling it a Guy Raz sale. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so excellent, I couldn't even begin to correct him. Yeah. I just called it the Guy Raz sale, too. Because <laughs> he invented he invented yeah. the, uh, the, uh, yeah. the selling used items out of your like garage. We made like $15 in our Guy Raz sale. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a... A very successful Guy Raz sale, to be honest. No, it wasn't. It was too hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then one called Story Pirates, in which children write in, send in stories, and then they, the ensemble dramatizes them mm-hmm. in video format. Sure. So this, but that's a beautiful drive, Portland to Missoula. It's nice. Uh, it's not smoky right now. There's so much fire in the West generally, but this, as of today, this route is it's not smoky. Missoula has not been very smoky yet. Yeah, good. Other places have. Idlewild almost yeah. burned down on Wednesday. Yeah. It should have burned down. I mean, not, not should have in the sense that I wanted it to. Right. But by any rights, by physics, it should have burned down. Has, has the danger passed? Not entirely. But the... The explosive, so the fire started kind of at the foot of the hill, arson. Um, was, like, was it a deliberately, was it a deliberately, deliberately set forest fire? Was like, it, or was it deliberately someone burned down a liquor store and that? It was a guy throwing uh, flares out the window trying to start a fire. Jesus at Christ. various points on the mountain, actually, it seems like he was trying to trap Idlewild. So Idlewild has three, uh, three routes to it. Yeah. And he was able to close down too. That's very strange. And uh, we don't. It's uncertain if he didn't close down the third because it's sort of like a word problem. You have to. You can close down two on the mountain, then you'd have to drive around the mountain to get the other one. It's you're saying he is though as though the arsonist is known. Is this just eyewitnesses? They or caught him. They caught well, they him. Caught, they caught somebody. He's been. He's already been arrested and for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, 32-year-old guy from Temecula. Um, so the, start of the, the fire started about 1 o'clock, and by 5 o'clock it was at the edge of campus. Holy shit. And it went burned all the way up to campus, within feet of campus. They built, you know, over 10, 15 years, determinedly kind of built a fire break, like thinned out the, the trees, 
mulched heavily the the ground and uh um, so with like planes dropping fire retardant and you know hundreds of firefighters um and setting the setting of a few backfires um they were able to stop the fire from burning the campus buildings but it burned right up to the edge right up to the edge just terrifying uh and of town generally um still lost five five houses a friend's house was right it was in the burn area but they seem to have um saved i saw a picture of the house covered in fire retardant it's like the the roof is now pink (laughs) um hopefully i mean hopefully the house was saved um yeah, I mean it's really the the town sh- the whole town should have burned by dinner time. Yeah, um, I mean because it's it just should have would have funneled right up and gone through it probably in a matter. Uh, the town probably could have burned it in minutes. But so they they, they were able to to stop that from happening and the fire continued to burn but sort of went around um, South Ridge around about around the mountain and burnt into the wilderness. Um, um, so I mean, you know, something still could happen, but I think the the uh, they they closed down I don't, the campus for the rest of the summer, except for a festival because all the utilities burned, mm-hmm. the wastewater plant burned, I think, and the uh, all the power lines coming into town burned, all the you know guardrails. One of the weird things of these fires is so the guard it burns over the highway and it burns off the guardrails, and it's a a mountain road and it, so it actually is really significant if you don't have guardrails it literally incinerates metal but no oh, melts it yeah so then the, or certainly it, the wood holding up the guardrails but yeah. it leaves the pavement intact the pavement can be damaged yeah 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 i mean the, the forest fires they, t- they tend to move i mean yeah. you know they move through and they burn most of you know what's on a so you know after it moves through, you still have burning logs, but just the wave of of heat. Well, the, fe- the fuel is gone, presumably. Most of it, yeah. Uh, it's ter- a terrible year for fires up and ready. Although I have to say, I don't like. The, I don't, there's this thing that people say when, when in these forest fires, they say the fire, you know, is burned so hot it, it made its own weather. They say this after every forest fire, as if it's some new discovery. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that phrase, like it makes its own weather, because it's true. Sure. But irrelevant, partly. Um, I also don't like when they say that, like, lightning or the, 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 the jet made by a pistol shrimp is hotter than the surface of the sun. I don't like that phrase, hotter than the surface of the sun. Mm-hmm. Because the surface of the sun is the coldest part of the sun. <laughs> yes. It's as hot as the coldest part of something. Does not really seem like a very good description. Well, it's deceptive it, description. It's not as hot as the sun, really. Yeah. It's as hot as the cold part. These are d- dramatic, presumably dramatically satisfying, but not factually meaningful descriptors. And what and and this is one of the dangers facing us as a society. Oh, right. The dramatically successful thing <laughs> that is not actually meaningful. Would you like to share uh, other examples? Which of is also this called 
which is also called Twitter. <laughs> Dramatically successful, not really meaningful. <laughs> got it. Oh, I've got it, my friend. Yeah. So I've now I've, I'm off of, off of all the social media. I know. The Instagram, even which I enjoyed. I miss I miss you on Instagram. You're yeah. You're, I miss I miss I miss it a little bit. But I have to say that that it it is a great relief to not be on any of them. Yeah. Instagram, which I liked, and I like. I mean, you know, I love people, and I, despite my hatred of people, I love them, <laughs> and um. But I found I really found that it was affecting my perception of the world in ways that I did not like. Yeah. Well, go on. Uh, well, I would see something interesting and I would take a picture and I would Instagram it. Mm-hmm. And then not have to think about it anymore. Right. It was taking the place of memory. It was, it was outsourcing memories, as somebody else has, has said, is one of the consequences of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I would see something interesting and I would frame it nicely and, and then share it and it would be gone from me. And so things were making, I found that a lot of, I, I, in my case, I found that reality was making less and less of a, of a, of a, of a meaningful impression on, on my mind. I can believe that. And in my line of unemployment, that, uh, in my unemployment line, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that's a liability. I've been thinking about uh I'm thinking about the way I thinking about the way I think about images mm-hmm. um and seeing things. Uh so Owen, my mm-hmm. older son Owen, has a one of my favorite Instagrams. Um I'll uh I should I should link to it. Um it's under the name Challenge Silence. Um and it's it's ostensibly well I can't Google it anyway I'll find it. Um, it's ostensibly to promote his band uh, motorcycles, but he he's developed this interesting aesthetic. He posts every day, and um, it's usually two or three images layered on each other and given a particular color. So he'll usually start with an image that has a dominant color and then he'll make that color kind of hold on let me let me find mm-hmm. it Oh my god No motorcycles with a Z Google there it is Okay I'm going to send you a link to it Um he's it's a very distinctive style and it's it, you know, it's now its own thing. And he, he sort of, uh, own sort of moves through the world. Hold on. Let me find the, there, I hit the con. Look at this. I'm, and I actually know how to send messages now, um, on, uh, on Skype. So he now moves through the world, seeing things very differently because he has to post one of these things every day. And so he like half jokingly says, Got to find some content. Got to find some content. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it has sort of 
vastly enhanced his interest in photography in general. Um, and he actually used some, uh, some money he got his hands on to buy a camera, like a, a DSLR camera the other day. So he's going to be doing more imagey type stuff. Um, and I'm, I have to say, I'm kind of jealous. I'm, I've, these I've, are, these are tremendous. Aren't they great? I'm looking at them right now. They are really great. Yeah. 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 These are, these are fantastic. Yeah. So, and actually for his birthday, I got him, um, do you know the service, uh, fracture? No. They, they basically will print photographs for you on glass. Um, mm. and, uh, it's kind of a good way to put your in, favorite Instagram photos on, on little glass squares. So I got him a few of my favorites of his stuff, um, put them on glass for him. But anyway, um, uh, but, you know, as recently as a few years ago, I was obsessed with photography. I was taking pictures all the time. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not into it right now. And I miss want, I miss sort of taking delight in the prosaic visually. Yeah. You know? But I'm not... I feel like... And this is illusory, of course. And I think anyone who is in a slump, an artistic slump in any field, feels this way from time to time. But I feel like I've seen all the stuff I'm going to see. And it's boring to me now. Like, just seeing things does not excite me. I like Instagram, but it's mostly a way of, you know, what I like on other people's Instagram is I want to see the food they cooked in their guitars. So I just put that stuff of mine on there, you know. Food they cooked inside of their guitars? <laughs> well, you Like know. a cedar plank? <laughs> uh-huh. um, but, uh, but I'm wondering, it's, it, it's left a little hole in my heart, I have to say. This uh, lack of enthusiasm for photography. Ah, uh, but you 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 have you have a, a a rhythm to your interests, the the photography, the the music, the, your non writing things. They seem to go in, yeah. in cadences uh, from year to year. I'm sure that you're that you'll be spending all your spare money on on lenses again. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that. And argue arguing with people on ebay about them um, <laughs> no 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 on some some no, forums oh, no. uh, any minute boy there's a photography forum i really used to like um but it mm-hmm. has completely devolved into really angry old men um <laughs> ma- ang- mad at phones yeah and yeah. Uh, i just i just can't i had to i had to stand down yeah yeah my new interest is tennis. Tennis and the mediocre. That's what I'm into right now. <laughs> I think I think this is this is good uh, good interest, Ed. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you it's been? Uh, we know last week we were so depressed about uh, Trump that we didn't. Uh, we didn't Who was talk- that? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just I was just a uh, that was just I belched um, uh, that we didn't talk about food. Uh, have you been eating anything of note? When it's hot like this, I find my appetite suppressed. Mm-hmm. As people do. Um, it's too hot to cook. Mm-hmm. So I haven't 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 done anything very interesting in that respect. Uh, there is a. I've been working on this shed for several weeks. We're almost. Oh done yeah, yeah. My father-in-law. At the end of the podcast, um, you were just going off to start working on it. Mm, it's looking really good. So we got the shingles on the roof. It's all painted up. We have to hang the doors. Yeah. Um, are they uh, like, are they like on tracks? Are they rolling doors? 
No, no, we have so we have to put in some panels and these very heavy tall doors. Roland door is my uh, is my Harry Potter house, by the way. Roland door, yeah. That was your country music DJ name. <laughs> Roland Doors. So great. So that sounds just a quick quick side note that the 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 touring edition of the Honda Odyssey from 2007, uh, still with new ownership, uh, uh, gives us a three month trial subscription to XM Radio. <laughs> you you taking advantage of it? Uh, yeah, particularly the trucking uh, truck talk. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Um, uh, so we have to hang the doors and all that. So you know, we work, we try to get working early because in the, the cool of the day. Sure. Um, and then work up until lunchtime. And then it's a, a question of, well, what shall we do for lunch? And so we go, um, excuse to go get some lunch in town, which of course for me is the highlight of the day. And so we've been able to go to, um, the new deal cafe, which I've talked about before, which is mm-hmm. down the street. Uh, East Side Deli, I think I've talked about before, my favorite sandwich place. Um, and we went to good, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I think this is, it's, been, it's been a, he didn't know that he was going on a lunchbox tour. It's <laughs> a good, good taste noodle house. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, took him there. You have to move and, to a city every couple of years since, so that you can have new restaurants to talk about. I know there there's plenty of new ones. Um but then down on the corner, about three three blocks from us, the former Poffee Coffee House, which I think I have also talked about. Mm-hmm. It was a doggy daycare and um, terrible coffee shop where you could. Wait, what's it called uh, again? It, it was called the Poffee Shop. <laughs> so you could bad. get coffee, and there was a window so you could sit and watch the dog, other people's dogs, or your own dog as as they played. <laughs> And it was not hygienic <laughs> no. to buy doggy daycare and uh, you know a little bakery. Yeah, uh, the roof leaked terribly, <laughs> and it's Portland, so I mean, right? You know, the our Alabama summer is an aberration. Usually, it's raining all the time, um, and it smelled like dog shit. Sure, and, <laughs> sure. But so it's it went out of business surprisingly, and. <laughs> Uh, you think that just would be like minting money? <laughs> you would think. <laughs> uh, and was taken over by Berlick Brewing Company, B A E R L I C. Berlick, which is, I believe, uh, some other language for barley. Might be Gaelic. I don't think it's not Gaelic, but it's something. All right. Some word in language for barley. And uh, it's a, it's not their brewery. Their brewery's down by the river, and it's it's one of the top ten breweries in town. Yeah, wow. Since we have about eighty. That's sure. actually a, a distinction. Um, they're very good, and so they have it just as a tap house. Um, so they cleared all the dogs out and the coffee, and just made it a big block, and uh, and then. Filled the parking lot with ten uh, food carts. Sure. Which, of course, we also have no sh- shortage of in town. No shortage of breweries. No sh- shortage of food pods in town. But there was a shortage of them in our fifteen-block area. But no longer. And now they're there, and so we went there. We've been there three times. Great. 
um, and you can get a beer. Kid runs around. Uh, particularly like a place called Frickin' Chicken, which huh. makes kind of hot, uh, spicy fried chicken sandwiches. I feel like the chicken sandwich is ripe for uh, for experimentation, um, but most people are not doing it. The bun was not great. It was just kind of a hot dog bun. They need to work on the bun. Yeah. Chicken was fantastic. It was nice and spicy. Good bit of coleslaw on it. Um, hey, did I actually... I, the bun really is important. And I do remember I talked on this podcast back when we were in L.A. for AWP. I was eating every day at Egg Slut. Um, the sort of, was that in the... Um, in the Grand Central Market. Right, and I think there's one in New York now. Um, but it was it was great. The eggs were delicious. The, the ingredients were great. It was just good sandwiches, egg sandwiches. But the thing that made them put them over the top was, in fact, the bun, which was like a very tender brioche with a with a um, really dark dark uh, coppery brown crust on the outside that was incredibly flavorful. Had the right texture, the right flavor. Um, did I tell you about uh, – I can't remember if we had a podcast close enough to it for me to have mentioned it on the show, but um, the this ice cream parlor in Richmond, Virginia. Hmm, I don't remember. Called, called Charm School. Yeah. Um, I can link to it here. Um, it's called Charm School Social Club Ice Cream and Baked Treats. And it has a very – it's it, it, it puts itself forward in a very pretentious way. It's just uh, the – the environment, the sort of the you know the the records that are playing in the place. It was just it was just sort of like a I hate to use the term kind of a hipster place. But not only is the ice cream spectacularly delicious, but most importantly, the cones are the best ice cream cones I have what, ever eaten. What kind of cone? Sugar Wa- cone. They're waffle cones. Waffle cones. And they are making them on the spot. So they have, you know, they have a front counter where you pay your money or you make your orders. And then you've got the refrigerated case or the freezer case that's got all the flavors of ice cream in it. And they have, you know, a lot of sort of slightly weird experimental flavors as well as traditional ones. And then also behind the counter, given equal display space, is a person who is pouring batter onto a specialized waffle iron. And then is holding it, you know, pressing it down, and then is you know cooking the waffle for a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. peeling it up, wrapping it around a metal cone, popping it into a holder, and she's just doing Very this nice. over and over and over again. And the cone that your ice cream goes into was literally made minutes before. Excuse me, as soon as it's cool, um, they stick ice cream in it and hand it to you. And I had it had never even occurred to me to care about the cone. Like I prefer a waffle cone. The cone is, is just a like a, a novelty spoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the ice cream that's important. But when you when the delivery when the when the secondary ingredient is thought through carefully, yeah. it makes a very big difference. How do you feel about bread bowls? I feel like or like a clam chowder um, in a bread bowl. I feel like it's at the moment kind of ripe for uh, ex- exploitation. Taco salad in a 
in an edible shell. Okay, that's a that's a good one too. These and these are like very kind of D class A dishes, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing that is re- is ready to be messed yeah. with, so that it is yeah. as good as it's always been, but even better. Like a uh, um, like a breadfather level. <laughs> breadfather. <laughs> Uh, bread bowl. I I have a problem with bread bowls, but it's it has nothing to do with taste. It has entirely to do with my own quirks. We I, so when um, a lot of people have problems with a bread bowl. Well, I I just am freaked out by wet bread. It dis, it just disgusts me to no end. We were at this um, where I was actually my grandmother's uh, the you know the, what'd you call it a wake you know the 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 did the lunch after her funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, an old family friend was talking to my mom and me and, and was talking about how I – she had a place up in Mountain Lake, New Jersey, where we used to go in, um, in the summer and for a few days and visit mom's friend and splash around in the lake. And I love the lake. Um, but this lady remembered me as being afraid of the water. But that's not what actually happened. What actually happened is there was a moment where one of the other kids, as a joke, realized you could fling Wonder Bread like a Frisbee and flung a piece out into the lake where it was floating on the surface of the lake. And uh, I, you know, I, later, an hour later, I was out there splashing around and I felt something sort of brush against my torso <laughs> and uh, uh and uh <laughs> and i look down <laughs> and there is the soaking wet completely saturated piece of wonder bread just sort of squishing itself against my flesh and i was horrified appropriately i was horrified yeah, I would never go in the water again. And that's what I was afraid of. So I and uh, so I. That's when I learned that, w- that <laughs> wet bread <laughs> is disgusting to me. So I so found no bread bowls. I f- yeah. I am f- a little freaked out by a bread bowl. Although my mother used to make, um, and actually Stephanie just found online an article about like reinventing your mother's bread bowl, and it's like uh, my mother used to make this spinach dip in a bread bowl, a pumpernickel bread bowl, spinach cream dip. And it was, and I love that because she'd pour it in there and then you could go at it right away before the bread got too saturated. With the bread, with the sort of torn up pieces of bread. Torn up pieces. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. But it's very, you can't, you got, you know, you got to, you got to get on it right away. Otherwise it's just going to turn to mush. So do you like the bread bowl? Are you pro bread bowl? I like, I like everything, you know. (laughs) I do like a bread bowl. <laughs> the mediocre or the better. Yeah, I like a bread bowl. It feels it feels uh it I know that it looks gross. <laughs> yeah. You don't want you don't want people to see you eating something in a bread bowl. Yeah. Because appropriately you shouldn't you shouldn't eat the whole bread bowl. Right? You could have some of it. But I think it's 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 probably disgusting to eat the whole bread bowl, and I'm probably gonna eat the whole bread bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I'm probably gonna eat the bread bowl. I'll be honest with you, up front. <laughs> well, it's yeah. also a bit like a potato skin. Sure. There are people who find it outrageous that you would eat the potato, like of a baked potato, to eat the whole potato. Really? Right. 
Well, Jill, Jill finds it alarming. Is <laughs> you fear for people's safety when they do? And it? I, I, I find it the best part of the baked it's, potato. It's, it's delicious. Then you got to put a little extra butter, salt, and pepper on it before you rebutter. Yeah, you got to rebutter. Rechive, chive it up, <laughs> chive me twice. <laughs> <laughs> Chive me twice, chives on me. That's what the potato skin says. That's what it sings. That's what it sings to the condiments. <laughs> Should probably go. Yeah, uh, me too. We made up for the time we lost uh, with our short episode last week. That's right. Yeah, sorry but about that. Are you going to do? Are you going to work on the shed again? You're going to do your final steps? Uh, we might might shed it up a little bit mm-hmm. today. But the uh, no, the door hanging will be tomorrow, I believe. All right. Well, uh, uh, send, then, send me. Then we're pretty much done. We're wiring. We're wiring it for uh, electricity. Put the re- refrigerator in there. Okay. Well. And, uh, so be good. Post a picture on uh, Deletegram. Invisogram. Take a Excellent. take a uh, take a photo of it with your Instamatic. Get it developed at the photo mat. Hmm. Uh, put it into send an envelope. It, stick send it, a copy to all my friends. Put a twenty-two cent stamp on there and just uh, mail it to me. Have stamps gone up? We, we were just talking yesterday about like what what's I the, think of them as being a seventeen cents. Is what, yeah, how much is that, so the conversation was what's the early, what's the what's the canonical like childhood stamp? I remembered a quarter, um, and that was when I was seventeen or eighteen, which is when I started sending my own mail. That's what I remembered. Mm-hmm. I think Stephanie remembered like thirty-one cents or something. But um, what I looked at, so when I looked at the rates, you know, and how they changed over the years, and uh, surprised me that actually fifty cents or whatever it is now is just very reasonable. I don't even think it's kept up with inflation. I think it's I think it's a better deal now than in nineteen seventy-five. Could be, could be. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right, Eddie, have yourself a right. very very fun Sunday. Take care, John. All right, take it easy. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hanker for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Ed and John. That's right. It's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John.